welcome to the Bottom Up Revolution podcast from Strong Towns. I'm your host, Rachel, and today I'm joined by two Strong Towns advocates, architect Dennis Strait and planner Abby Kinney. Both work at the firm Gould Evans, which is based in Kansas City. And you might know Abby because she hosts one of our other podcasts, Upzoned, where she and Strong Towns founder Charles Marone discuss a topic from the week's news with a Strong Towns lens. Abby and Dennis have been fighting the good fight in Kansas City, Missouri for many years now, and they, along with their colleagues and partner organizations like Urban 3, the Incremental Development Alliance, and of course Strong Towns, have helped to move Kansas City in a positive direction. Like many communities, it's a place that has lost population over the last several decades and is really struggling to regain its financial footing. As Dennis uh, explains in our conversation, the problems facing this community, overbuilt and overextended infrastructure, chronic disinvestment in the urban core, redlining and exclusion, faulty financial planning, all of these took decades to put in place, so they're going to take decades to undo. But Abby and Dennis are in it for the long haul. Through concerted and creative efforts to know their neighbors, listen to resident concerns, and educate people on the city's trajectory, these planning professionals are going against the grain and fighting for the city they love. So let's get into my conversation with Abby Kinney and Dennis Strait. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. Today's guests are Abby Kinney and Dennis Strait. Welcome, both of you. Thank you for being here. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for having us, Rachel. So I want to start by asking each of you to tell us a little bit about yourself and um, your city. I'm not sure if both of you are Kansas City born and raised, but I know that both of you live there now. So Dennis, can we start with you? Tell us a little bit about you and, and your community. So I'm not Kansas City raised, but I've been here longer than I've been anywhere else. So I consider it my hometown. I'm actually from Southwest Oklahoma. And uh, my first job out of school as a uh, landscape architect was down in Austin, Texas, where I worked for five years. Uh, during that time, I got a master's in architecture, and then I moved up to Kansas City with my wife. It took me about three years to find a job with an architectural firm because they didn't know what to do with a landscape architect back then, or a landscape architect that was practicing being an architect. So I ended up working for a planning firm, and it was a firm that was involved with the old hair and hair work, which uh, ties right back to the City Beautiful Movement and a lot of the development that happened in Kansas City. So it was uh, a great opportunity and experience. I was also working for a, a city planner who owned the company at that point who was well involved with uh, all the uh, players in Kansas City, Missouri. So I got to know a lot of the uh, uh, leaders in the community through that, which was a great experience for you know somebody showing up to town and trying to learn the lay of the land. But I've been with Gould Evans now for 30 years and um uh, have been primarily practicing architecture, but um, we've we've had a planning studio for all those years, and uh, I try not to be too much of a nuisance, and do find myself engaged with uh, with uh, that group more than the others, just because uh, we're all fascinated with city building. So that's me. Yeah, and Abby, tell us a little bit about you. 
So yeah, some of your listeners might already know me from the Strong Towns Upzone podcast. If you don't know me, I'm an urban designer, planner at Gould Evans in Kansas City. Um, I'm not originally a Kansas City native, but I am a Missouri native. I grew up in the St. Louis metro on the other side of the state. I grew up in a suburb, and oddly enough, that suburb had one of the new urbanism town centers that was developed throughout my childhood, which is kind of interesting looking back and seeing that continue to develop into my adulthood. I've lived in Kansas City for almost a decade now, and I've lived in many different neighborhoods throughout the city and have really fallen loved with this place. I, I think it's primarily because of the people here. It's a city that's big enough to feel like a city, but small enough to kind of be a small town. Everybody seems to know each other, both in kind of the city building realm, but also outside of that. It's, everybody's really connected to each other and very open to uh, discussing ideas and, and helping each other out. And, you know, it's something that I've really come to appreciate about Kansas City. So yeah, I've, I've been here for probably 10 years now. How did you come to be working at Gold Evans? So my background in planning comes from a design-based program within the Department of Architecture and Urban Design at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. So um, it's a campus that's within the city. And during the time that I was a student, I, I worked actually at a couple of tech firms that created web-based applications uh, related to both environmental sustainability and construction, as well as policy making for local governments. So um, I kind of had this design and data background, which is kind of interesting, and I haven't really thought about that. But I became introduced to my boss now, Graham, at, at Gould Evans while I was a student. You know, we just really connected on a lot of the things that the Gould Evans studio was interested in. I was uh, excited to find a design-based practice that was also interested in these kind of broader fiscal and economic sustainability questions around communities. So it, it really was a good fit and it just kind of happened, I guess. So it seems like your firm is really embedded in, in your community and in the other communities that you work, but for you guys, that's Kansas City. What have you and your colleagues been doing to build a local conversation and to be proactive about public engagement in your planning processes and to stay connected to the community that you're working in. Dennis, maybe we can start with you. I'll give credit to Strong Towns for um, something that we changed about five years ago. We were going through the kind of strategic planning you do as a studio from time to time. And uh, at one point, we we're considering calling ourselves the Stop Doing Stupid Stuff studio so we could be very clear with our clients about the problems out there. That didn't stick for obvious reasons, but it was pretty common for uh, there to be ongoing chatter within the studio about, I can't believe we're having to address this again, or I can't believe this this city is dealing with the same issue again. And why aren't they just doing you know X, X, Y, or Z? And as we were starting to figure out how we could turn the uh, discussion around, we started paying more attention to strong towns and uh, decided that would be a good way to think about how we approach cities. And frankly, we went from a more traditional way of consulting into a more advocacy approach towards consulting. That's been going on for at least three years now. We've been practicing that way. And we realized along the way that uh, 
Kansas City needed this way of thinking as much as any city did. So we came up with some strategies on how we could start a local conversation. We're fortunate because uh, we have in Kansas City, Missouri, a, a public speaking series that was started by the director of the library previously, um, which brings intellectual discourse to the community on a regular basis for a wide variety of topics. And we approached uh, Crosby Kemper, who was the uh, library's director at that time, and pitched this idea about starting a speaker series that was focused on making Kansas City a great city and uh, suggested that we start out with uh, Chuck as our keynote speaker and then come back a couple, couple of months later with uh, Joe Minikazi. And then uh, eventually that turned into a, two months after that, having uh, someone from the Incremental Development Alliance, uh, Jim Kuman, came and was our speaker. So Crosby bought into it. And uh, since uh, 2019, we've been continuing that series. So we've had like 10 installments now. We got we got sh shut down like most things with the uh, COVID problem, but we've had one or two online and we're anxious to get them going again. So that was one initiative. The other initiative was um, inspired by the uh, the Tulsa conference, if you remember that some years ago. Yeah, Strong Towns Gathering, right? Yeah, what, uh, what was inspiring was Chuck was very clear that uh, all this content is open source. Uh, start using it. We did develop a... Uh, uh, a local version of Kansas City Strong Towns. Here's Kansas City's problems. Here's how you look at them through a Strong Towns lens. And we've been sharing that presentation for the last two years now, and we've made that over 40 times to civic groups, uh, community groups, business organizations, and uh, are continuing to use that as a way to, to help people understand uh, their city differently. Uh, we also had an initiative to, uh, uh, a goal was to get find some way to fund Urban 3 and have them come to town and do a, a, a value per acre assessment for Kansas City, Missouri. We were fortunate we found interest from the Kauffman Foundation, who was uh, interested in using that information to help guide some other things uh, the local Kauffman Foundation was uh, involved with. We were able to uh, have Joe and his team come in and do a value per acre assessment for both Kansas City, Missouri and Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, you know, we have both cities on either side of the state line, and they're significantly different in terms of their economic conditions. Uh, but very insightful information that's now available for us to use, and we've been using it quite a bit. Like we expected, uh, it's become a tool that's showing up in conversations all around town. Uh, one of the assets in Kansas City is uh, our downtown council, which for the last 20 years has been working towards uh, revitalizing downtown. And it's as, it's as strong as a... Uh, uh, downtown organization, as you'll find. They were quick to latch on to the Urban 3 findings because it celebrates downtown, right? It shows that that kind of development pattern is very healthy for your city from a fiscal perspective. Um, so we've been we've been using that as an example. And there are other things going on still, but I feel like I'm talking too much. So I'll let Abby come in. That's great to hear that background. I wasn't aware of that full trajectory of the Strong Towns message in Kansas City. Um, I know that, you know, we helped write a bunch of articles about Kansas City and I'll make sure to share with listeners the the ebook that we put together of all of those, which is just amazing to be able to get to share those stories and partner with Urban 3 and get to spotlight your city and learn from it. That's great to hear the background. I'll just add to that, that 
A lot of this conversation has been centralized in Kansas City because of the work that Urban 3 has done for Kansas City, Kansas and Kansas City, Missouri. We work as a planning studio with a lot of other communities that are kind of either outlying suburbs or small towns in the metropolitan area. And this conversation has really, it's really become more broad than just Kansas City, which is very encouraging to me and really interesting to hear different people's perspective about how to move forward and and basically wanting to connect with other municipalities in the metro to start to tackle some of these issues and and look into how local governments can refocus their policymaking and their practices. Zooming kind of more to the ground level, something that I've personally been really interested in since we had Jim Kuman from the Incremental Development Alliance in town. We were after that, able to fundraise to support a workshop. And we had a workshop at the downtown library. And for that, you have people who come and they purchase tickets and and they're aspiring small-scale developers who want to help rebuild their neighborhoods and they want to learn some of the skills and understand the process better. And what I was surprised about that is how, how many people immediately wanted to come to this workshop. The day that we had it, we were sold out. We were over capacity. This was pre-COVID, by the way. And it was really inspiring to me that there were so many people and not just people who were in the real estate development world. I mean, it was a lot of like neighborhood people who maybe they bought a building or they wanted to buy a building that they were just tired of being vacant and unused and that they wanted to really be proactive about building back their communities. And so um, out of that came the Kansas City Incremental Development Alliance, which has been a group that we have continually facilitated for the past couple of years. Of course, COVID's kind of put a dent in that. We can't meet as a big group anymore. At least, you know, hopefully we will in in the future, in the near future. We were basically able to have someone speak every month and have a small developer talk about their experience as a small developer in Kansas City and the different hiccups they run into and and to help people kind of learn from their mistakes. And it's really made me so interested in why we have such such a hard time rebuilding our city. I think that there's many different things we need to do to balance the book on kind of a broader level to have like a fiscally healthy city. And and one of those things is, of course, like being very careful about expanding new infrastructure. But the other thing is starting to reutilize all of this space that's not being used and it's being speculated on. And it's important that we recognize that that's not just going to happen by professional developers, that it's going to take a lot of incremental actions and investments I think it's really important and it's something that I've been personally really interested in and inspired to see how many people who are not celebrated in in the news necessarily who are doing these kinds of things and it's often not recognized. Maybe this is just my misperception about what a planning firm does, but it seems like your firm does a lot more than just like plan out streets or buildings. Like these public information campaigns and speaker series and just like 
being really plugged into what's going on in your city. Am I right about that? Is that is that pretty unusual? What's your approach to to being this kind of all-inclusive firm that does a lot of different things? Well, on the architectural side, we have a, a history of being involved in educational work, and we're very similarly involved on an advocacy side in education. Uh, we actually have a, a, a self-directed learning studio in our studio that, uh, again, before COVID, would allow us to house uh, classes of uh, uh, grade school to middle school kids that would be in the office two or three times a week for uh, these special programs that were hosted by a local university. Public outreach has been just part of uh, who we try to be. Also, it helps when you have a, a, a studio full of passionate people, people that care about how their city you know, lives and works. So it's not all office time. There's uh, plenty of personal time that's in, you know, behind this, uh, this effort. I think all those things come together and allow us to do things that uh, might be a little out of the ordinary, but uh, not a bad world to think about if everybody made that more ordinary. You know, this is a conversation that a lot of cities are having, and it's one that comes up with pretty much any project that we do. You know, if we if we respond to an RFP and go through that regular process of doing a plan or a zoning ordinance or something like that, that this is not an uncommon conversation for a lot of communities that we work in. And so it's something that we've developed a perspective about in our own city, but we also learn a lot from other cities and learn a lot from other people's perspectives around the country. So it's something that, you know, we can call it advocacy or we can call it just figuring out how to do the right thing, <laughs> you know, figuring out how to rebuild our cities and how to how to do things more sustainably. And while there are barriers in, in the current system that we've set up for ourselves, I think that what, what we like to do is to try to understand what, what are the ways that other communities are are learning from these kinds of conversations and in retrofitting their systems and um, what is Kansas City doing to do the same thing? And I, I think it's important that um, a, as a planning consultant, we can try to get information in lots of different ways and, and try to build on different strategies that are being tried. So what are some of the results that have happened as, you know, over the last few years? What are some of the changes that you've seen in Kansas City as a result of your recent work? You talked about kind of the strong town's message growing. Are there anything else that you that either of you are like particularly proud of or that you want to share about kind of the impact of your work? Dennis, we could start with you. This is a long game discussion, right? So the fact that we didn't fix the city overnight is is uh, not something to be too disturbed about. I think the thing I'm proudest about is that we've uh, started a conversation. We're known in the community for uh, having a, a viewpoint on how we could do things differently and how our city could be uh, healthier in lots of ways. So that's a good place to be. And uh, we're involved in a number of conversations that we weren't involved in, in a few years ago. Our goal was to raise the public discussion. Uh, and for example, when we started this, we uh, we just focused on community outreach and, and the business community was included, but uh, we didn't go to the Chamber of Commerce and we didn't go to the uh, local Urban Land Institute because we just didn't know how they'd re receive uh, a different attitude about uh, real estate development or you know doing business. In both cases, 
those organizations have been some of our strongest supporters. The uh, chamber is has been a sponsor. They've helped us in a couple of uh, different situations, and they're they're regularly helping us connect to groups where they see value. And the Urban Land Institute is uh, is now in the middle of a uh, we're on to our fourth installment uh, and actually our twelfth webinar of an ongoing series that's running locally and getting attention nationally. That's focused on uh, building an affordable city. You know, we're raising the dialogue at that level too. So. Um, proud of those things. And um, there's still a long ways to go. What I like to remind people is it took us a long time to mess up our cities this badly. And it's going to take a little time to get back on a positive course. Those are wise words. Um, I wish that wasn't the case, but that's absolutely true. And as we know at Strong Towns, like incremental steps, slowly but surely, that's how you get the job done in a really meaningful way. So yeah, it's good to hear about those connections you've been building and the conversation that you're seeding. Is there anything else that you would want to highlight, Abby, of changes that you've seen over time, impact that you're particularly proud of? I'm excited about the slowly changing perspective of what it means to be a developer. A lot of the times we kind of have this shallow perspective about what it means for a developer to build something and we picture an out-of-state person who's building a big building that that you know everybody is feeling very defensive about, and and it seems that with communities, it's been pretty common for people to be defensive about how their community gets developed. And I think that it it's very important for communities to be proactive about about development and about change in their communities and. I think incremental development is an important part of that and kind of reintroducing the idea that a a city can be built by many, many entrepreneurs that are trying to benefit their communities. And I, I hear the term incremental development quite often now, and that makes me personally very happy because I think it's important to recognize all these really small investments that are going to help us get on track into the future. Yeah, well said. So I want to close by asking both of you, what advice do you have for planners or architects or other building professionals that are trying to take action to make their towns stronger? And then maybe also, if you can think about this, what advice would you have for, for regular people that want to support those planners and architects, developers in that work of building strong towns? Dennis, I'll ask you first. I think it's um, important for us to think differently about our role with our cities. And this applies to the professionals and the, uh, and the citizens, too. We have uh, gotten comfortable with the idea of letting somebody else represent us, of somebody else take care of the problems. And uh, all, almost every public presentation we make, the first question out of the audience is, have you talked with your city council person? And our answer is that, uh, yes, we have talked with them, but we need to understand they're just doing what we ask them to do. And we need to understand that the city we get is the city we ask for. So more that we can take it on ourselves to figure out a way to make our neighborhoods better, to make our communities better, our cities better, will ultimately make everything better. And I think everybody's in a place in life today where making everything better sounds like it's about time we do something. 
this is a good way to think about it is it it starts with us so before you think you need to reach out to somebody else or rely on a professional planner or a, a lawyer or anybody else just know that your voice matters and your efforts matter and everything you can do and it's all written out and you know strong towns has it well covered in terms of the little steps you can take all the way to the big steps uh, just start doing those things yeah well said Abby, what advice would you have? It's hard to follow the wisdom of Dennis. Um, I, I guess the the primary thing that I would say to the people kind of more on the professional side of things is to not be afraid to say something and to not assume that this can't be a public dialogue. I think that the fact that our conversation here in Kansas City has been a public dialogue is very important because like Dennis was saying, it's not, you know, one or 10 people who have some level of authority who are going to begin to fix this problem that we're faced with. It's the actions of many, many people and raising public awareness, I think, is such an important piece of this and just letting individuals use this information is very important. And I think in kind of the planning or the city building world, there's there's a lot of nuanced topics that kind of get dissolved into talking points. And I, I think we don't give in quotes the public or, you know, I, I don't think that we give the public the credit that they deserve, that people have the ability to fully comprehend these issues that we're faced with. And it's important that that we we recognize that as people in this world. Yeah, well, thank you both so much for taking the time to have this conversation. Also, thank you for the work that you do. I'm sure everyone in your region really benefits from that. And I know that we benefit from getting to learn and see all that you guys are doing. So thank you, Abby Kinney and Dennis Strait. Thank you for being here. And it's great to have you on the podcast. Enjoyed it, Rachel. Yeah, thanks, Rachel. This month is shaping up to be an interesting series of what I'll call duo podcasts because several of the people that I invited for interviews ended up wanting to bring in a colleague or a business partner with them. So you're going to get to hear from two people in the next several episodes of the show. Those interviews might end up being a little bit longer so we can hear from everyone. Um, And maybe that makes up for some of the shorter episodes we occasionally have. I think it'll be a fun little change of place here. I also want to draw your attention to the episode of the Strong Towns main podcast that ran this Monday. If you're listening to this after the fact, it ran on Monday, March 1st, 2021. This was a fascinating conversation, deeply compelling, hosted by Charles Marone with two U.S. representatives, uh, Jake Auchinklaus and Mike Gallagher. They are from Massachusetts and Wisconsin, respectively, and are a Democrat and a Republican, respectively. I was blown away by this conversation. I think it really demonstrates the ability that the Strong Towns message has to cross political boundaries and to help us find common ground. Specifically, these leaders talked about um, infrastructure spending, transportation issues, parking, and overall like bottom-up action at the local level. So highly encourage you to check out that episode and to check out that podcast in general if you're not already listening.
The last thing I want to draw your attention to and make sure you don't forget is that you still have a few days to nominate your town for our annual Strongest Town Contest. Head to strongtowns.org slash strongest town to get all the info and to do that. Nominations are going to be accepted until Sunday, March 7th. And again, we really want to stress that this is about having a community that is on its way to being more financially strong, that has building blocks in place, that has people like you who care about it, that are trying to make it better. Um, It's not about having the perfect place. I think often in our Strong Towns community, a lot of us are very, very critical of the places we live. And we tend to often only see our towns through that critical lens. So I hope this podcast is, is helping you see that there is a different way of looking at your community and that there are positive things happening. We are in this bottom-up revolution together. So I encourage you to take your hypercritical lenses off a little bit and put on your looking at my community for its positive potential and future lenses and uh, think about submitting your town. We've had a lot of interesting communities that have uh, taken home the winning prize over the last few years. By the way, that prize is a visit from Charles Marone to give a talk and present the Strongest Town Awards in your place, physically in your place, as soon as it's safe to do that. So strongtowns.org slash strongest town. Nominate your community by March 7th. Finally, Strong Towns is a member-supported organization, and we couldn't do any of this without you. If you're taking action to make your city stronger, please also take that small step if you're financially able to help this nonprofit so we can keep working to serve you and provide resources like this podcast. Head to strongtowns.org slash membership to sign up today. Memberships can start as just $5 a month, uh, $25 a year. Every little bit helps. Thank you so much for your support. And also, I would be remiss if I didn't say, please send in some listener voicemails and comments. I really love to hear from you, Uh, even if it's like constructive criticism. Let's be in conversation together so I'm not just, you know, sending these interviews out into the void. And also, I would say it's really excellent for our guests to be able to hear feedback on their episodes. So if an episode was like really moving to you or inspired you to do something, your community sparked something, a memory for you about um, how you're working to make your town stronger, send it in, record it, email it, type it, whatever. Rachel at strongtowns.org. All right, friends, we will see you back here for more of the bottom up revolution on our next episode next week. Take care. Thank you.